Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. My name is Matt Scaff. In this episode, I want to talk about what's a dirty move? What makes you a mean grappler? What makes you a dick that nobody wants to train with? I had a student a couple of days ago ask, hey man, what makes me a mean grappler? Like, I feel kind of bad doing certain things to certain people. And First, it's really important to recognize that that's a common feeling to have, especially when you first start getting past that one-year mark. It can be really easy um, when you start to get this power that is jiu-jitsu where you can start to feel like a bully, especially when you're training with people that you're better than. If you, you know, are constantly making them grunt or moan or <laughs> tap it, it can be uncomfortable a little bit. You can start to think maybe, ah, oh, what does this person think about me? I feel kind of like a jerk. And I think it's really important that you ask yourself and of your training partners these three questions. This is what I start with with myself. I check myself or I check my training partners or a student if I'm watching them roll. I ask these three questions and if I feel like they're breaking uh, one of these three questions, then I'll have a talk with them or I'll have a talk with myself and go, hey, Matt, you got to come. You can't do that. So the first is, is it a legal move? Are you grabbing single digit fingers and trying to break them? Are you fish hooking? Are you spitting on people? Are you intentionally elbowing people or headbutting people? Anything that is not legal in whatever you're practicing, whether it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu whether it's MMA, you just you need the base guideline of movements that are acceptable. Anything that fa- falls outside the line of that is a dirty move. And you need to either talk to your training partner or you need to reprimand yourself and you need to change. There's no place in the sport for those type of movements. And that's why they're illegal. Okay, so that's probably the easiest to, you know, hey, Yeah, I've been grabbing fingers. I've been grabbing one or two fingers and bending them. But it works every single time. Like, I get a couple of easy taps on maybe a higher belt. Like, that's illegal, man. You can't do that. So as long as you're doing a legal move, you get to move down to number two. And that is, what is your intent? Is it malicious? And so there are times, it's rare, much rare now, but there are times that I'll train with a little bit more of a malicious intent. And I can feel it in myself, and there's times I have to back off and go, ah, you know, you trained a little bit malicious today. I don't like training like that just because, one, it kind of brings kind of like a negative connotation to training. Nobody wants to train with the guy that's trying to hurt them or that's going super, super aggressive. And there is a huge difference between training aggressive and training with malicious intent. And that's one of the things I'll feel on guys is if I'm rolling with the guy and, you know, he's training and he's, you know, putting that elbow in my ribs, like, is he doing it like it's the ADCC finals or is he even doing it like he's trying to hurt me? And the more you grapple, you'll, re- you'll be able to tell the difference quickly. And that's a big one for me. You know, if I feel like a guy's doing an illegal move, you know, he's grabbing my fingers, he's grabbing my clothes, like I'm going to try and jack you up. And the second is if I'm training with you, you know, and I remember one time I let this white belt pass my guard and he jumping knee on bellied me. He had like 75 pounds on me and he 
jumped and tried to do the hardest neon belly ever. Like it was literally a jumping neon belly. And I destroyed him after that. I had to set an example of, of man, you know, that, that's not acceptable. Like that makes you a dick. <laughs> and so what are the feelings you have when you're grappling? You know, afterwards, were you trying to hurt your training partner or was your training partner trying to hurt you? Both situations need to be addressed. The third and the last is just, are you causing injury with your movements? And so if you're a larger training, uh, if you're larger than your training partner, let's say you do have 50 pounds, you're 225 pounds and you're going against a 160 pound opponent and you're using an elbow post to try and set up an arm lock. Well, Let's say your 160-pound training partner's rib pops. Okay, no big deal. That'll heal in a few weeks, a month. Uh, The worst I've seen is eight weeks, so not anything too bad, but sucks. Next week, it happens again with a 170-pound training partner. Well, look, you're doing great weight distribution, but once you start to develop a habit of hurting and injuring opponents with Uh, a move that some people might consider dirty or really honestly any move, you're probably going to need to uh, adjust the way you train. And it doesn't mean that the movement isn't good. Again, the first two questions are the big ones for me. But the last one is just one of those etiquette things of, man, you want to keep your training partner safe. And Something I do is I try not to face crank people that are smaller than me and I try not to do super aggressive uh, head chokes on um, people smaller than me as well, especially if I've got 20 pounds on them. I've got a pretty good guillotine and every time I grab somebody that's way smaller than me's neck, I'll feel and I'll hear a couple of pops. And so to me, it's like, ah, I'm going to stay away from the guillotine. I don't want to like, I don't know, I don't want to hurt somebody's neck if I'm rolling with them. I'll adjust and I'll do a movement like the back, you know. The rear naked choke's one of my favorites because I can do it to anybody, a six-year-old all the way up to a hundred-year-old man, and they'll be completely fine. I can have total control where with a guillotine, I only want to do it very aggressively. I try and put tons of weight on the head, get it crunched up, and again, I constantly hear people's necks popping it's obviously not a dirty move but to me there's a time and place to go after aggressive guillotines and my 140 pound training partners that's not the time and place now maybe once every couple of months you know especially if we're doing a super hard competition style round that's usually something that you need to announce like hey tonight guys we're doing really hard competition style training and that's when ah you know if we're rolling and we're doing two-minute rounds, and we're trying to submit, uh, get the submission as fast as possible. If I see that guillotine, I'm going to jump on it. But Saturday, open mat, we're doing eight-minute rounds. I'm not going to roll with the 130-pound guy and jump on the neck. And you know, but that's just because you're willing to do that and you do do that doesn't make you a jerk. That's something that I've come to go. Ah, I don't want to do that anymore. And. The injury question is something that, you know, it'll become a pattern and you'll always kind of see like guys start to back away from you from training. Anytime your training partners are not wanting to train with you, there's a reason. And 
the honest truth is if you're over 225 pounds and you train at a gym where there's mostly small guys, it's going to be harder to pick around. But I'm telling you, if you start to show that you're willing to sit guard, you're willing to get sweeps and end up back on the bottom, you're not just going to constantly keep Americaning them and you know doing insanely hard cross pressure or cross face pressure. You're going to have more training partners, but at the same time, you're not going to be doing your best version of jujitsu. And so there's plus and minuses to both. Do you want more training partners, and do you want people to always want to train with you, or do you want to be the you know, 225 pound blue belt stud that just jacks everybody up. I, I don't know. You know, that's a question you have to ask yourself. And after those three questions, it becomes much more personal. And as I said, with the guillotine, like I ask myself those questions pretty, uh, pretty regularly. It's like, do I feel like this move is a little too dangerous to do with this type of partner? Or am I rolling too aggressively with this type of person? And it has nothing to do with, you know, is it legal or not legal? It's really more of just a feeling like, what do I feel comfortable doing? And there's certain times, again, when I'm training competition style, that I'm much more, uh, I feel much more comfortable using an elbow to open somebody up or, you know, like to in the ribs or using a really hard knee on belly. But I'm doing it out of uh, a place of trying to do good jujitsu. And the honest truth is, and it's something I've heard a lot because my instructor, Brandon, you know, he's always said that good jujitsu uses weight distribution and makes people uncomfortable. And if you're larger than your opponent, like you're not doing good jujitsu if you're always taking your weight off of them. You need to train doing perfect weight distribution. And yeah, that's going to make your training partners miserable. Now, when it comes to things like wrist locks and toe holds and heel hooks and all that stuff, personally, I don't think any of that stuff is dirty. I would much rather somebody go after a wrist lock than a a Kimura or a neck crank. I think anything that ADCC allows is perfectly fine, and I would never get mad at somebody for wrist locking me or going after a neck crank. I might get a little flustered, but afterwards... Again, I ask those questions. Is that a legal movement? Well, it is a legal movement. I need to train and be more aware of that. We only have one or two um, things that are illegal at our gym. And it's legal at ADCC, I would say. I know that the scissor leg takedown is illegal at 10th Planet Decatur. So yes, if you are doing the scissor leg takedown, you're being a jerk because That's not legal at our gym. Some gyms, it's fine. But most gyms, that is illegal. Even uh, at Henzo Gracie's. I mean, Gary Tonin's probably has the most scissor leg takedowns, especially over the past 10 years. And it's legal to do in live training up there. Again, you can train that. You can practice that here. But if you're trying to do that during live rolling, somebody's going to talk to you. or Somebody's going to go, hey, man, you know, that's not allowed. Um, The other is no toe holds and... Uh, heel hooks for white belts and you're not allowed to do them to white belts now if the guy's training mma or he's like trying to be a pro it's a little bit different we'll do a little bit of leeway there but for the 95 percent of our white belts no heel hooks no toe holds and you know if we look over and you're constantly trying to do toe holds on them where you're looking like a dick right now and you shouldn't be doing that because that's not legal but 
It's really important that you understand the etiquette at your gym. If you're at a gym that is very IBJJF heavy and heel hooks are not allowed unless you're a purple belt and above, well, uh, don't complain. Like that's, that's the rules. If you don't like the rules, go somewhere else. Don't be constantly the guy that's having to have, you know, your instructor come up to you and go, Hey man, you know, we don't do heel hooks here. Hey, look, we don't do heel hooks here. Look, we're training for the Nogi World Championship, which is an amazing tournament, by the way. But heel hooks aren't allowed at any belt level, so we're not training heel hooks right now. You're being a jerk, and your instructor doesn't appreciate it, and your training partners don't either. And it's important that you police yourself, but we have to also police our training partners. And it can be uncomfortable to have that conversation. If you don't feel comfortable, talk to your instructor. Because a lot of times what you'll see is, especially with mat bullies, is they'll pick on guys that they're way worse than, but then when they roll with guys that can beat them, they're angels, you know. They're super like, oh man, you know, you're amazing, you're the best. There was one student that was training here. He hasn't trained here in a couple of years, but once he quit, he was a blue belt here. Once he quit, multiple people came up to me and were like, I'm so glad he doesn't train here anymore. He just always trained rough and did dirty moves and, you know, he would do wet willies and, you know, he would talk trash in my ear and just all those things. And it's like, dude, and I was like, you know, why didn't anybody say anything? And they're like, I don't know. We just, we just didn't. And (laughs) if you're in a situation like that, where you feel like somebody is being a bully and you're uncomfortable rolling with them, have a, try and have a conversation with them. But again, if you don't feel comfortable with that, talk to your instructor. I hope that helps, guys. It can be very uncomfortable when you first start beating people where you have that feeling of, how am I being a bully? Or it's uncomfortable like being on the other end of the domination. And it's something you just get used to. And over the years, you'll really start to figure out what you're comfortable and not comfortable with. And everyone's completely different. But those first three questions, I think, are a guideline that every practitioner should ask themselves and ask about their training partners And as a black belt, if I'm rolling with the guy that's trying to hurt me and he's a blue belt, well, I'm going to try and jack you up. But I know a lot of people uh, and most of the guys training are not black belts. They're white and blue belts. And sometimes you can't mat and force, you know, yourself. Well, you need to talk to somebody that, again, is in charge. And if it's the person in charge, eh, maybe you need to think about training at a new gym. Um, I hope you guys check out the big match today, Nick Rodriguez versus Luke Rockhold. I'm super excited about it. Um, I didn't get to catch Quintet last night because it started at 1 a.m. and I just was not staying up. I heard Gio Martinez was on the mic and I heard he did an amazing job announcing. So cool, man, that he got to go to Japan and announce uh, for Quintet, be one of the commentators. But check that match out today. Looking forward to it. Polaris is always amazing. Keep training, guys. Hope you guys didn't gain too much weight after Thanksgiving. Um, Talk to you later. Later.